This is the Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. I'm your host, Paul Parisi. And I'm Jacob Young. On the Edge of Innovation, we talk about the intersection between technology and business, what's going on in technology, and what's possible for business. We're talking with Falk Wolski. He's the Chief Innovation Officer with Innovate Tech. So what's different about your experience? How did you grow into this? What happened to you as opposed to somebody that you grew up next door to? What's different? Why are you somebody that looks at a problem and can Mm -hmm. say, gee, I got all of these tools or parts out there that I can go and build stuff with or I can invent a new part as opposed Mm -hmm. to somebody who you said, you know, with with the pie chart which, you know, we'll provide a link to if you can provide that. Why are you sort of saying you ended up in the 1%? And I'll bet you didn't, when you were five or six years old, say, oh, I'm going to be an inventor. Maybe you did, but... Well, let's say I was eight, it seems to be. Okay. <laughs> I but what, what's the difference? What's that trigger that yeah. makes you want to say or just see? Because I think that, you know, as, as I've experienced my own innovation development, I just see things. And, and I'm, I've been eager to talk to people, other innovators and inventors. Of why do you see differently? What makes it so obvious to people like you, to people like me? And how do you explain that to other people that don't see it, that, that don't even see, you know, things that might be obvious? I might say, let's go back to my age of six years old. My parents actually gave me very early, pretty heavy books. I was reading Albert Einstein in the, what is it, ninth class, mm-hmm. sure, before high school. But this is not nothing extraordinary. I was just interested. But let's go back. I had a lot of books I was reading. So I had an attention span. I could survive a question. I was not being frustrated fast. Mm-hmm. And uh, after my six years, I was unbelievable. A lot of time just in the nature. We had a garden outside from our hometown. And I spent kind of every weekend, pure in the nature. I was turning everything, stones, animals, grass, trees. I learned about how, how things move, what is inside. Yeah? So I was just turning it. I was curious. And the difference, I do believe, is a curiosity mm-hmm. compared or connected to state of mind that you don't accept things at the first moment. I have an inside trigger that all the time let me ask. Mm-hmm. When everybody runs in one direction, a huge crowd, one direction, the first thing I said, stop. Why? Why they run? Maybe it's not good. Maybe it's good. I don't know. Let's let's look at it. Let at least have an opinion to it, not simply run. And this question to everything, compared with the curiosity, then leads into the possibility to combine, to, to make these sparks out of you have seen a lot and uh, you have read a lot, but you do all of this and honestly, without stop, I wake up and the brain start to work and I go to bed and the brain hardly stops to work. And between mm-hmm. that, I swallow again, everything that is really interesting. I have also, like you, exchange with a lot of people, but I read also a lot, right? This is kind of uh, right. 50%, I cannot say, but let's say 20% of my time per day, at least I read. And this in combination, I believe it makes it for me at least, this curiosity, this, this kind of everything's interesting. I, I want to turn everything, how it was working. I had a lot of technology stuff at home. What I did, actually, I damaged it. I just was kind of, I had a screw and all tools, what you need. And I just kind of uh, look inside. What is inside the clock? What is inside the radio? What is inside the electric power? 
I was hit seven times by this 220 volt. <laughs> I've been there myself, and, yes. Yeah, so it, it was curious like hell, right? And, and the good one is I was uh, passionate enough to put things together again that they work. And most people get frustrated fast and they let things in this age damaged. And maybe this is also the point that so this attention spun by the early reading that they could survive frustration and go through and see how the possibility of things will work again compared to curiosity, compared to or connected to this re-question things. I don't accept the status quo. And that is maybe the key. Interesting. Now, how did your parents react when you took apart clock or a radio or something <laughs> like that? <laughs> I must say from the point that when I see them now, they're pretty old now, 80 years already and more, they must have an unbelievable patience with me. It seems to me actually there was that time when I was young, there was already 40 something, almost 50. I, I get adopted, right? I was, they was already pretty old when they get me as mm -hmm. a young only five maybe they just said let him do right <laughs> and maybe this was the huge chance i had i had a free space and i had a free space to to try and it was not cleaning up the room it was not mess but it was all full of this technology stuff and they somehow accepted it i cannot say they were supporting it but they accepted it simply i was not not caring maybe too much or they were smiling right but they did allow me this freedom to have all of this. And I might say, when you all the time clean up uh, behind children, maybe this is bad. Maybe this small mess or this let them do helps exactly too. Well, it sounds like they didn't scold you, which is a big benefit. Yes, I might say yes. Interesting. What was your first recollection of doing something innovative that was beyond just something that was interesting to yourself, but other people paid attention to? No, the very, very first, even very first patent I wrote was a virtual acoustic renderer. I was that time uh, selling studio electronics, synthesizers, mm -hmm. uh, mixing pools and all this. Because I was DJ, I was young, I loved techno music, boom, boom, and so on. And so I was soldering a lot of stuff. And But then I came to, what is, if you can calculate, like in the ray tracer and the 3D rendering, what you can calculate sound. Actually, mm -hmm. it was existing somehow to make architecture possible, but not in the effect scene. In the effect scene, we still had a very classic compressors, echoes, delays, and all this stuff. What year was this about? Ooh, 2000, maybe. Okay. Something like this. Yep. It must be, could, could be 2000. It was roughly the time when I found my first company agency. What, what happened? I got a lot of attention because that time I was employee. So they said, young boy, this is our invention. I said, no, 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 it's my invention. No, they said, no, this is our invention. No, how that? No, because you're an employee. Yes, this is an employee. There is an employee innovation. So I was very angry. <laughs> I was you saying, learned an important lesson. <laughs> so I was a little bit discussing with them. It was very nice to me, gave it to me. I resigned immediately. And since then, I'm freelancer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was really the first time I got uh, recognition about an invention I did. Wow. I mean, that was a pretty big invention in the year 2000 to be able to do that type of modeling was not really easy at that time. It was not. And now it comes to curiosity, but a fantastic story to tell. Can you believe? I got, I'm born in the eastern part of the Germany. 
So actually, till my roughly 12, we had no access to modern computers, let's say. Exactly today, I shared on my LinkedIn a picture of uh, the computers of Eastern Democratic Republic. We had, and I was experimenting on them. I cannot say I'm the super hacker. No, no, I was just experimenting and trying a little bit, and I was curious. And then we had C64 Commodore, like everyone. And already on C64, I made a lot of music with trackers. And then we had Amiga. Wow, huge, amazing. Yeah. Amiga 600 I had. And then I'm stumbling on ray tracing program. Reflection, it was calling. The first private ray tracer you could 3D generate pictures at home. That was some completely outstanding. You couldn't believe we had 320 on 256 pixel. And this computer was calculating days for one single picture. You could even watch pixel by pixel how he calculate backwards. It was not that clever like we do today. We have a lot of shortcuts invented since then in the 3D modeling. So I was watching these pixels uh, calculating, but I did understand as the documentation was very nice. I described everything, how this works, how this ray tracing actually, what is the fundamental principle of following and live stream back from the object to the camera and so on. And that brings me to the idea, why not to do this with sound? And actually, then you can uh, interpolate. You can just say, okay, sound has these characteristics. It has a damping, it has a resonance, it has an, an material uh, characteristics on the wall, on the, on the instrument, and so on and so on. But this ray tracer from the Amiga 600, that was the birth of the idea, I might say. That was where it comes from. Wow. So now, as you started to come up with these technology ideas, you learned that important lesson that you worked for somebody and they said, oh no, we own it. So you started to cross over from ideas to the business side of it to understand that there's a business aspect to it. How did that yeah. go? And how did what did you learn and what lessons would you say to other people? Because, you know, inventing something is one thing, making money out of it is another thing. That is the pretty hard thing. I completely agree. I had a pretty struggling years with everyone because most likely I started after the dot-com bubble. So all IT things was already suspicious, in Germany especially. So I had hard years with low income, I might say, and was running with my own agency. And I did very classic things. Websites first, corporate design, styling for companies, small programs. Then they asked me, can you do somehow that we can manage the content on the website by itself. Ah, database you need, I can do it, mm -hmm. develop. Can I sell something on a website? Yes, you can sell. So I invented e-commerce in this case. I did payment APIs and all this stuff. Very, very classic stuff, right? No innovation here. That was for sure some years. And uh, then it comes to a wonderful thing when we invented this coffee machine. And exactly as you say, this step, we're still struggling. The coffee machine with this treater, it's a nice thing. And actually, if you do it right, it could be a wonderful thing for brands, for customers, for field service and so on. Even DeLonghi liked it a lot that time, but wrong timing. It was too early. That time, investors didn't even heard in Germany from IoT. Mm -hmm. They understand there was still an e-commerce. There was a lot of rocket internet and there was a lot of e-commerce stores and that was the huge invention. So we actually, we developed it, we presented it, but we did not land it. It was not able to make something uh, bigger out of it. Really after one and a half year, we just gave up. 
this also could happen because it was not able to convince people that time how cool is it as you can imagine it was 2009 Milongi was not stopping on that and in 2016 they presented product so near to our first prototypes that we was frustrated a lot but this is the magic of timing they had a the better timing for mm-hmm. it well i've always said it's not inventing the product it's being able to sell the product exactly and um, That's- this is probably before your time, but there was a product called Word Perfect, and Word Perfect was not the better product, but it was sold much better than Word at the time. And the story works out that Word was a better product and eventually got better sales. But it's a, it's a fascinating story. If if you haven't heard or read about Word Perfect, you should go back and do that more for our listeners. But it's not about. I mean, that's really the story between Mac and Windows. You know, I don't know if you're a Mac or a Windows user, but the many people, you know, the the Mac ecosystem is is very mature, but it has to be sold. And Windows actually, was easier to sell. The most sales I had was actually in all this time till till the pen till 2013 was my my brain by this it stuff right i mm-hmm. made a lot of solution i connected systems i helped people to manage different data stacks they have and and so on and so on so this was more fundamental and it was was easy to sell because people needed this solution products came later mm-hmm. and uh, but exactly as you said it has a large gap between a technical solution an idea or a fundamental new way how to see things, how to sell, how people like this. So I collected in this time valuable experience exactly about this, um, what I call fundamentals, right? Technology, business model, right? And, and all this together shapes a product and not technology itself, not the marketing itself and so on. So well, let's get into that a little bit. How do you cross that chasm of selling? Do you see something that a customer has a need for and approach them, or do they approach you, or is it a combination, or how do you talk about that? Mm, this is uh, that's really interesting and fantastic question, and that is the hard part, I might say. Yeah. When we come back to the pen, somehow it happened all in these first 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Because I saw the situation, I saw the kid. I saw him struggling and I do understand it was all about attention and all our economy is now already about attention. We have a fundamental attention, not problem, but it's in the room, right, the topic. So that was easy and let's say all it was born in this. The story was there and the story is what you sell. Now I work already since uh, one and a half year on the product, it's still a little bit in stealth mode, but it's somehow in redefinition of how we work in working place in, in the IT sector. And it took me, honestly, one year to find a good story for it. Stood what it is. I have seen clear where to go. I was already in a product development with my team. But I was not find a good story, uh, the catch, where, where you can explain what actually it is and why it is so good. It took me one year to, to find it. And I cannot say when it happened. Somehow, maybe in, in an airplane, uh, I made an... Let me think, maybe it was even on a back flight from New York. It could be, right? I had six hours undisturbed, and I believe I did it in that time. I just opened the PowerPoint, and I start the question, what the hell you would do if you go now to investor? What you will tell him? Sure. And the investor is somehow a little bit of a of pre-flight <laughs> for the customer, <laughs> because only if you convince investors, you will have enough power to later on tell the story to the client. And investors very critical, so we have just elevate pigeon it must fit or not and i believe only by then by this strong focus to this question i was able to solve it 
And I came actually to the very remarkable and fast thing, let's save John. And John is the CIO, the chief information officer from big companies, and they have all the same problems. They, they need to deliver applications to their people. And they have not enough resources or not enough money. So actually, the, the desire for applications is kind of seven or ten, ten times higher than John will ever be able to deliver. And so actually, we, we do and develop a system. I mean, low code is nothing new, but we do it in a very nice way. When you actually save, you can develop it in ten times less. So you don't need weeks, you need some days. You need a lot of less people instead of nine in a team. You need two people. That's wonderful for an IT budget. But the story behind is, <laughs> I have very first picture the John jumping out of the window, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's a big problem. And the next picture is like on the fireworkers, they have some time when they secure people. And that's that's a nice picture. That's a story, right? When he fall down in this pillow, we, we blow up for him and he is now safe because, wow, we show him how he can deliver faster the applications. And some why this get visual, this get tangible, people can understand uh, there's a pain from someone and so on and so on. So you build story on that. But it took me one year. Interesting. Well, excellent. We've been talking with Falk Wolski. He's the Chief Innovation Officer with Innovate Tech. And we've had a great talk about innovation. And there'll be a lot of links in the show notes to both his company and some of the things we've talked about. Well, thank then, you very much. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Oh, good to talk to you too. The Edge of Innovation is brought to you in partnership with Savior Labs. Savior Labs exists to help businesses mature and strategize for the future. Learn more about Savior Labs at SaviorLabs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. For the show notes and more information about Paul, please visit paulparisi.com. The Edge of Innovation is produced by Jacob Young in conjunction with copious amounts of coffee. Music on today's episode was from bensound.com. Paul can be found on Twitter at pdparisi and on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash pdparisi. This episode, like all our episodes, is transcribed and available at paulparisi.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.